Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Nothing quite like corporate worship in the house of God. Being able to come together and praise God and to worship Him. I I pray and I hope that you encountered God this morning. But hey, guess what? Even if you didn't, He's just a breath away. He's a moment away. I believe that there's a moment here for you today. Whether it be in the message, a response at the end, or a person that you're going to encounter, maybe it's on the drive home. Uh, I pray that uh, there is an experience, an encounter that you have with a God that is hard to see, but if you look for him, you can find him. And so I believe that God has a word for you today. How many of y'all enjoying our 21 days of prayer and fasting? Come on. I'm kind of torn to clap at that because I'm not enjoying it. My flesh ain't. My spirit is, and just to talk about this idea of fasting, uh, fasting is something that we can do as human beings to turn our hearts towards God, but things also change when we fast. We read in the book of Esther how she has this need to go before the king because the king's about to kill through an ordinance. A lot of the Jews are about to die, and so she calls the people to fast, and Can I tell you that fasting isn't always something that you're going to want to do. And it isn't always something that God will lead you to do. Sometimes you have to make a choice, I'm going to do it. Well, I I don't know if God's leading me to fast. Yeah, fair enough. Sometimes God won't lead you to fast. And he'll just ask you, well, what do you want? Do you want favor when you meet with the king? Do you want that breakthrough like there's a level of us denying our flesh and this is what happened is that you are a spiritual person you're also a physical person we feed our flesh every day with mickey d's like we feed it every day but there's many times myself included where i forget and fail to feed my spirit but this is what fasting does that it kind of flips the order That, hey, instead of eating today or lunch or dinner or breakfast, whatever it is, or eating for a few days, a few weeks, whatever that may be, instead of doing that, I'm going to feed my spirit. And it's amazing how it awakens your spirit. Your flesh is literally dying. (laughs) Some people think if you're new here to my city fasting, I'll be out the door. I can talk to you a little bit. But really, it's just a denying of flesh to get something greater, which is spirit. And we're all spiritual beings. And I want to encourage you that if you haven't fasted before, to really maybe set aside some time this week. Just because 21 days of prayer and fasting is over today doesn't mean that you still can't start. Doesn't mean that you still can't fast one day, a few meals, a few days, whatever that looks like. But I'm looking forward to breaking this fast with y'all tonight, 5 p.m. We're going to have a prayer night right here in this room. And I believe that God has given us a a word as a church on what it really means to pray for this city. Uh, Not just in the form of praying and hoping that things will happen, but really taking a stand and declaring and, and binding some things and loosing some things and closing some doors and opening some doors. And I'm believing that the power of corporate prayer, seeking a holy God is going to be present here in this room tonight at 5 p.m. I just really believe that God has something for you today. How many of y'all believe that, that God has something for you today? Come on. I believe that God is going to speak to you. 
Amen. How many of y'all have been enjoying our Planted series so far? Come on, this is our last week. We've been talking about the gathering, the growing, the giving, and if you've paid attention, what are we talking about this week? The gifting, the gifting. I believe that every single person is called to be planted in a house, and what keeps us many times from producing fruit is that we never take the time to develop roots. And since we never develop roots, all it ever takes in our lives is for a windy, a stormy day to come up and it'll blow that tree over. And why I believe that there's four is because winds can come from like four different directions, north, east, south, west. And uh, sometimes I see people have one root, two roots, three roots, but a wind that blows from that direction where they don't have a root, they're just going to fall over. And uh, I believe that every single person is called to flourish. And in order, though, for us to flourish, we have first have to be planted. And so that's why I've been talking about planted the last four weeks, the gathering, the growing, the giving, and the gifting. And as a church, we're actually going to make this be like your, your starting course. If, if you're looking to be a part of my city, we're actually going to be launching this in February, the first week of February, when we have church on home turf at HQ. I'm excited for that. We'll be able to have church there. And we're going to be launching this each and every single Sunday, unless there's a fifth Sunday. We're going to be having planted each and every single week. And if so, if you've missed a few weeks, sign up for the course. It's not just something to puff smoke or just for us to do something. But I believe that when you put these principles, these four things in your life, I believe that fruit and flourishing is inevitable. Sometimes in order to produce fruit, though, you have to develop disciplines. You have to develop patterns which is what we're going to be talking about today, the patterns of your life. So we're going to throw up our theme verse today. I want you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And we'll stay standing in honor of the Word of God today. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. This is the verse that we're going to be talking about over our, our course planted as well. So uh, I believe that we see all four things of what it means to be planted in the house of the Lord. We get that from the book of Psalms, by the way. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, I see that in this passage, uh, a church that is planted, and I see it producing much fruit. Reading now the NIV version today, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That's the passage we're going to be talking about today. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs, wonders and signs performed by who? The apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. We talked about that last week. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. That's the growing right there and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Today, we're going to be talking about the gifting. The gifting. How many all ready for the word of God today? Hey, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. That's true. I pray that you would speak to us today. Open our ears to hear you. Open our eyes to see you today. God, I pray that uh, we would come in here feeling your presence, knowing who you are. God, any lies that we believed about our potential, our calling, our purpose, God, I pray that they would stop at the door and that we would hear the truth of your word today. And just right now, church, I want you to open up your hands 
and say these words after me. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus. Come on. And as you make your way to your seat, turn to your neighbor and say this word. Say, you're gifted. Turn to your other neighbor and say also, you're gifted as well. You're gifted as well. You're gifted. Now, depending on your context and, and your, your actual your self-outlook, you question if you believe that or not. If someone were to tell you that you're gifted, you would say, oh, really? Let me see it. How am I gifted? If you're like my wife, you'll say, how? <laughs> or why do you say that? Uh, I love that about her. She'll always kind of dig into people. If you compliment her, hey, you're so great. Why? Or, hey, you're so beautiful. Like I asked that. I said, baby, you're so beautiful. She goes, why? <laughs> but many of us, when someone says that we're gifted, we have a tough time believing that. Uh, we have a tough time seeing how God can use what we've gone through, who we are, to do something extraordinary. Do you believe that? That God wants to do something extraordinary through you? See, I want you to know today that you're gifted and that God wants to do something extraordinary through you. And so sometimes what that starts with is, is it professing out of our mouth before it aligns in our head and our mindset. And you've got to start speaking what God speaks over you, not what the world has spoken over you, not what you've spoken over yourself, but what God has spoken. And today, God is saying, I want to do something extraordinary through you. And so I need you to partner with this right now. And I want you to say this. Say this after me. Say, God wants to do something extraordinary through me. God wants to do something extraordinary through you. See, for my life, I've carried this, this motto. I don't know if I got it from somewhere else or if, I've, if, I've, if I developed it. It'd be cool if I thought of it, man, you know. Like, I don't know, but I've just, I've just carried this my whole life that I've just said that I don't want to get to heaven and realize that I could have believed for more. And what that means is that I don't want to go through the motions here on earth when God has so much more for me right now. That I don't want to just check in, clock in, clock out. I don't want to just reach the minimum. No, I want to reach the maximum potential that God has for me here on earth. And I believe that it is our duty, our call as believers to walk in all that God has for us here on earth. A famous author once said that I would, it would behoove me to get to heaven and to live a life and not see God do something mightily through me. See, I know that God wants to do something mightily through us because Jesus is inside of us. As believers in Christ, the Bible says that Jesus is inside of us. That he said, I'm going to go to the Father and I'll send the Holy Spirit. And he'll say, you'll do even greater things than I. Because I'm going to the Father. Which means that he's empowering us to continue this ministry of reconciliation of people to a, a, a father. A lost and broken people to a, a loving father that can make them whole. Which means that God is wanting to use us whenever, however, wherever. But you need to know this, that every single gift that we have been given to produce extraordinary potential in our lives, every single gift that you've received always comes in seed form. It doesn't come like you thought it was going to look like. And it doesn't become something until you don't really see how God was using it until hindsight. So you know you have a gift you have a gift. You have something unique that God's placed inside of you to bless the world, to bless his church with. But that gifting that God has given you always comes in seed form, which means that it has to be developed. 
which means that it has to be planted. So you're gifting with extraordinary potential that starts as a seed. And what you do with it will determine its fruit. Can I tell you that you have been given something by God? And something that may appear small can actually be so significant if it's stewarded properly. If I have a seed and I place it in the right environment, I water it the right amount of times, I give it the right amount of sunlight, it will grow. It'll produce fruit. But if I just hold on to that seed and I never do anything with it, I never plant it, I'll never see it grow and I'll never see the impact that it could have made. And I see this idea of gifting and, and uh, uh, extraordinary potential that we all have in a parable that Jesus explained in Matthew chapter 25. And it's this parable, many would hear it as, as bags of gold. Of, and the, the New King James Version calls it the parable of the talents. I like that version because it, it can kind of refer to as like my talent. That's not exactly what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about like, it's, it's talking about like money, resources. But the bottom line is that God has given us something. He has given us talents. He has given us things in our hands. And some people he's entrusted, as the Bible says, is he's given some people five talents, some people two talents, some people one talent. And this phrase right at the end says, each according to their ability. Which means that we don't compare our talents to someone else. We say, what have I been entrusted with has been entrusted according to my ability. Which means I am not going to be graded against someone else's talent. It's going to be against my own. So I'm not going around comparing myself. Look at that person and what they're doing. Look at that person and what they're doing. They're doing so much or maybe they're doing so little. What have you been entrusted with? So we went around and he gave five talents to one person, two talents to another, and one talent to another person. And the Bible says that he went away and then he came back. And the person with five talents came to the Lord and said, God, look at what I've done. I've turned these five talents. You know, I, I've planted them. I've done something with them. And now I've turned it into ten talents. And God says, hey, well done to you. He received the five talents. And he said to them, sorry, I'm lost in my place. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. But that was five talents. According to the person with one talent, that was a lot of things. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Like, according to like, what I want you to be entrusted with, it's a little. So I got big things in store for you. But I need you to start small. I need you to start where you're at. So he goes to the person with two talents. They bring it before Jesus and says, Jesus, here, I got two talents. I've doubled it. I turned it into four talents. And God says, hey, well done. You who are faithful with a few things will be faithful with many things uh, in heaven. And and how, well, it was only two. It was only two. It wasn't the five. No, no. Jesus graded them the same. He wasn't looking at, he said, according to their ability. And some of us have different abilities in this place. Some of us have different giftings. And then he goes to the person with one talent. This person with one talent says, I knew you who had received one. Says it went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. So he took that talent, he took that gifting. The Bible says that he hid it. He didn't plant it, he hid it. He didn't put it to use, he held on to it. So it never produced anything. So when the, the, the father came back, the, the Lord came back to this servant, he says, what have you done? He says, well, I knew you to be a, a hard man. 
gathering where you have not sown seeds. So I took, I took what you gave me and, and I hid it to the ground. So here, I'm giving back what's yours. God, I didn't lose it. But God looks back at this person. Yeah, but you didn't do anything with it. And the judgment on this person is pretty harsh. And this is why I carry this belief that I don't want to get to heaven and realize that I had one talent and I didn't do anything with it. That God gave me something to do, something to contribute, something to give back to the world, but I didn't do anything with it. So what this person with one talent, he buried it. He didn't turn it into 10. He didn't have to turn it into 10. All he had to do was turn something. The Lord said to him, you could have at least put it in the bank. That way, when I came back, I could have gotten interest. He said, just do something with it. Don't just sit back. Don't just sit on your hands. Can I tell you that God has entrusted each one of us with some kind of gifting? What do I find is that many of us have a tough time and we never do anything with it and we bury it. Or we compare it to someone else's gifting. Let me ask you that question again. Do you believe that God wants to do something extraordinary through you? You have to start with that. You have to start with knowing that. And in order to act on that, you got to start on what you have, not what you think you need. You cannot look at the person that has all the abilities, all the talents, all the potential in the world and say, I wish I had them. Can I ask you today, what is in your hand? So what we do is we go around and we start comparing people. We start judging them on the outside. And we start labeling things over people's heads. Well, that's a five-talent person. There's a two-talent person. Oh, but there's a one-talent person. And we start looking from the outside. And we try to start painting people's potential. And we start saying, well, this person has the potential to become something great one day. You don't know that. God chose Moses. Moses had a stuttering problem. Moses ran away. God still chose him. From the outside, would look like, yeah, that's a one-talent guy, can't stick. No. God sees someone's potential, not us. What does the Bible say? Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the, God looks at the heart. See, as people on the outside, we can't be going over and labeling fives and twos and ones over every single person. See, I believe that there is God-given extraordinary potential on every single person in this room. Even if you don't believe it, I believe it for you. And if you need to borrow some of my belief, then go ahead, borrow some of my belief today. God has some extraordinary things in store for you. How do I know this? This is a little bit of, because God likes weird people. He does. God likes to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Point in case. Right here, no, 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 no. What I've seen in this world and in this life and what God uses is that people, the ones that everyone overlooks, God is actually setting apart. So if you feel overlooked today, if you feel passed by, can I tell you, you're in good company, and it's probably not a setback, it's probably more of a setup, it's probably more of an isolation that God is positioning you in the right place for him to use you. So we see this in Acts chapter 243, we see that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by who? Say that with me. Say, say it out loud. Say the apostles. The apostles. Those were like the real G's. Like they were like the OG's 
disciples. They were the big dogs. Well, of course, I would see, I would expect nothing less. Why? Because I'm looking on the outside. They were the people that Jesus chose. They were the ones that had the most potential. So, of course, I'm going to see the apostles do something great for God. This is just for the apostles. I've heard many people say it was just the apostles. That, that's why there was like healings and things of like that. Because it was the apostles. They were the ones that Jesus picked. But Jesus said, I'm leaving. And what was he going to send? His spirit. So the power of Jesus living inside of you and me, if we choose to follow Jesus and give our lives over to him, he gives us a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That's in heaven. One day when we die here on earth, we don't got to fear death because we know where we're going. But can I tell you that spirit isn't just for us to get into heaven, but for us to make an impact here on earth. Can I get an amen? It's for us to do something here on earth. He says, I will send my spirit. What is that? That's a seed that's getting planted inside of you. That's a seed. That's a talent that you have a choice to make each and every day. What am I going to do with the deposit guaranteeing my inheritance right here on earth, right here, right now? Holy Spirit has given us something. And if God is living inside of us, we should not expect anything less than to walk in the fullness thereof. What does God have for you this side of heaven? I don't want to just live my life living for heaven. Why? Because I've already been given that. I've already been given heaven. And so what we do is we find ourselves giving our lives over to Jesus and then we hide from the world. He says in order to get, you'd have to leave the world to be away from the world. No, I've sent you to it. If God was just about getting you to heaven, the moment that you accept Jesus into your heart, he'd strike you dead. Hey, what else want to accept Jesus? <laughs> Shoot up your hand. and Jesus, I'll, we lost another one today. Hey, no, we didn't lose them. We planted one in heaven. No, God uses you here on earth. He says, oh, you know what? You're locked. You're secure. Now, guess what? I got a story ready for you. How much you want to risk? So we see the signs being performed by the apostles. Well, of course. But then we encounter something in Acts chapter 6. I love. Acts chapter 6, verse 2. We'll throw it up there. So the 12, these are the apostles. The 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables, what was going on? There were some people, some widows that were having some problems within the church. <laughs> if the early church had problems, can I tell you that my city church is going to have problems? So that's okay. Right? Everyone be like, oh, thank God. Right? Some people are like, I, that church got problems. Yeah, the early church had problems too. Why? Because the church is full of people and people are full of, there we go. People are full of problems. <laughs> right? Myself included. So they had some problems and, and they were trying to figure out how they were going to resolve it. So they said it wouldn't be in order for us to wait on tables. Why would we neglect the ministry of the word to wait on tables? Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Can I tell you that it would have been a travesty if they went to do this and no one stepped up and then the church would have stalled out. Because they would have had to lay aside the ministry of the word to wait on tables. It would have been a travesty if the early church stalled out because no one stepped up. Next verse, it says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, or if you're a Warriors fan, Stephen. 
They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Pecoras, Nicanor, Timon, Primenus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So now we have people that were stepping up to do what? The Bible says to wait on tables. In other words, it's just to minister, be available. Like just to minister to the people. And so what happened? The word of God spread because the people stepped up. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Because some people said, yes, God, I am going to steward this gift. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, we read in verse 8, performed great wonders and signs among the people. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Let's throw that verse back up there in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Acts chapter 2, 43. Let's throw that back up there. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by who? Oh, come on. I need some feedback today. Who did it? The apostles did it. But then we see Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Who's inside of him? God's grace, the spirit of God. Performed great wonders and signs among the people. But his position was waiting on tables. His position was waiting on tables. But his potential was limitless with God. He did not let his position, write this down today, he did not let his position dictate his potential. He did not let his season dictate his potential. Stephen saw the need and responded to the need. So I see a lot of people, they go around with their title first, their position first. Oh, Pastor Eli, I'm a prophet. Yeah, but we like need people like tear down. We need like people to like pray with the kids and, and teach the kids. Yeah, but Pastor Eli, I'm apostle. Yeah, but we like, we got like a great host team and we need people to like wait on tables. Can I tell you that every gifting starts in seed form? Everything that God has given you will not always look like grandeur. Sometimes it'll look like serving. So we responded to the need. We got so many people around this world that are chasing their potential that we never took the time to develop. This is a shift right here. You need to get our patterns. Everyone's hungry for potential one day win, but they've never taken the time to develop their patterns. Can I tell you that God looks for patterns more than he looks for potential? God looks for patterns. Why? Because patterns communicate character. Why does God look for character? Because God knows that your calling cannot take you beyond what your character can sustain you. God looks for patterns. Why? Because patterns speak to potential. Patterns, patterns speak to character. God looks for character because he has a calling for you, but he knows your calling cannot take you beyond what your character can sustain you. Your patterns, can I tell you, are what God uses. He uses those small things. When we see them, though, sometimes we look at them as insignificant. Yeah, well, I'm just praying. Well, I'm just going to church. Well, I'm just taking care of my kids and raising them in the ways and the things of the Lord. I'm just doing my job to my fullest, and I'm not cheating my boss and being on my phone all the time. 
just trying to, I'm not wasting time, right? Like, I'm, I'm actually, whatever my hand finds to do, I'm trying to do it with all my might as if I'm doing it for the Lord, not for a paycheck, right? Like, so that communicates patterns. And sometimes when we take what we have and we say, no, this is significant because this is, I've been entrusted with it by God. God sees a pattern. What is in your hand right now that you dismiss as insignificant, but God is saying, hey, you got a chance to develop a pattern. Can I tell you that extraordinary potential starts with seeing the ordinary as significant? Because this is about the patterns. It's about the way you treat your wife. It's about the way that you treat your husband. It's about the disciplines that you have in your life on a daily basis. You've been reading the Bible reading plan, and some of you have thrown in the towel already. Oh, that's too hard. But a pattern gets developed when you get back up. That's why he says just keep getting back up. The only person the devil can't stop is the person that keeps getting back up. It's not about how hard you can get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep on fighting. In life, get back up. Do it again. You got the Bible reading plan. Start it again. Pick it back up where you left off or pick up on the day that you're at. Develop a pattern in your life. Develop a pattern in your life. Well, I'm going to keep eating healthy. Yeah, but I tried that. No, I'm going to keep developing patterns in my life. I'm going to keep on going to the gym. I'm going to keep on showing up. I'm going to keep on being a part of a group. I'm going to keep on tithing. I'm going to keep on using my gift. I'm developing a pattern because every gifting starts as a seed. The largest giftings that we've always seen started with the smallest stewarding of the seed. Where was Elisha at when Elijah found him? Plowing his dad's field. Nothing wrong with his dad's field, but that's where God found him. Where was David at when he got called out to be anointed to be king over Israel? Where was he? Shepherding the sheep. He wasn't in the house with the big dogs. He was overlooked, forgotten. No, 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 he was set apart. Where was Moses when he had that burning bush encounter with God? Taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. See, we got a lot of Christians going around looking for burning bushes. I just want God to tell me what to do. God says, I got some sheep. So they're going around looking for burning bushes rather than taking care of sheep. And I question if that burning bush will ever come because you're waiting for five talents when he's given you one. Saying, what have I given you? What have I placed in your hand? Are you going to do something with it? <laughs> Jesus picked the apostles. Where did he find them at? Where were, where were some of them? They were fishing. After a night of catching nothing, what were they doing? They were cleaning their nets which meant that there was a pattern that even though they felt like they were unfruitful, they were going to go out again. Jesus saw a person that didn't have any quit in them. That's what Jesus used. I can use that. That's a pattern I can use. He didn't pick the Pharisees. He didn't pick the rabbis of that time, the people that everyone else would have said, they got potential. These people, don't forget about them. They're one-talent, zero-talent people. These got five-talent people. He's like, yeah, 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 I see all that, but I see some patterns over here. That's what I'm going to use. I'm going to use some patterns. Where did Jesus find the disciple Nathaniel? I love this one. He said, look, here is a man in whom there is no deceit. What is Jesus speaking to when he talked to the disciple Nathaniel? He's speaking to a pattern. Nathaniel wouldn't let a lying thing come out of his tongue. 
He said, my word is my word. My yes is my yes. My no is my no. Some of us, we got a pattern of just going off and saying yes to everything and never showing up to anything. Some of us, we got a pattern of saying no to anything and to everything and never saying yes to see what God can do through us in a moment. Go talk to that person. No, God. I'm just waiting for a sign from God. Yeah, I heard this person needed a ride home. Yeah, but I'm just waiting for God to put a sign above their head. Help this person. Why did God choose Caleb over Joshua to take Israel into the promised land? Caleb was oldest. When they came back, Caleb was the one that spoke. Joshua had a pattern of being in the presence of the Lord. Joshua had a pattern. Can I tell you those little patterns in your life are significant? Quit looking at what you have and saying, God can't use this. God's looking at what you have and saying, what are you going to do with it? Patterns. Patterns reveal potential. Yeah, I got one, but it isn't as much as 10. Who cares? If God gave it to you, then it's significant. I need you all this week to take inventory of everything that you've been entrusted with and say this, because I know I fall short every single day. God, help me to be a good steward. Help me to be a faithful servant. I see a lot of people going around wanting to be the big dog. Everyone wants to be the top shot, but not many people want to pave the way for people to come in behind them. What does that mean? Everyone wants to be King David, but no one wants to be his father, Jesse. Everyone wants to be Paul, but not many people aspire to be Ananias. Everyone wants to be someone important, but few want to be a pioneer to lay the foundation for others to stand on. What if what you're doing right now is actually breaking generational curses? What if you actually going to your nine to five and keeping your job is actually breaking a generational curse in your family lineage? Well, I'm looking for the big thing, God. God says, no, this is the big thing. This is what I'm asking you to do right now. This is what I placed in your hand. God, but I'm just waiting for the big call. And God's saying, what have I entrusted you with? What you have in your hand, what are you doing right now? The little that you supposedly can do, quote unquote, is significant. Because God says you're doing something with it. So I see people in church. The reason why this is part of planted is I see people in church. They never step out to do anything because they don't feel like they can. I can't lead a team. I can't lead a group. I can't reach this city. I tell you, with that attitude, you can. If you took a moment to know, like, God is entrusting you with something, if he's entrusted you with something, he's wanting to do something with it, God's saying, you're more than able. I'm just looking for someone that's available. You're more than able. Can I tell you that what you have to contribute, each and every single person in this house, is so significant. So stop undervaluing the things that God has placed value on. This isn't, I'm not just here just saying, we just need more cowbell. Do you get that reference? It's about activating your gifting. So I want to be able to give you opportunities. And there's times we fall short all the time where we start new teams and we're like, yeah, that... It didn't work. It happens. But you keep on pressing on. You keep on going. You keep on using your gift. You keep on saying, hey, where's there a need? Waiting on tables? Sign me up. 
Church needs and has a need, sign me up. What we see is God did something extraordinary through a man who just said, I'm available. That's what I mean about your gifting. Your gifting doesn't always look like grandeur. Sometimes it looks like servanthood. And so then I close with this story of, of David. David, when he's going to the town of, of, he's going to this battle, like David has a crazy life. I'd love for you to read about it, but just to fast forward for the sake of time. David was serving Saul, playing the harp for Saul, and Saul tried to kill him. And then he showed up the next day. Like, some of y'all have a tough time if something bad happens, someone doesn't text you back, right? And then I ain't showing back up to that group, right? Saul tried to kill him. Yeah, but God entrusted me with helping the king. Right? We see David. What does he do? He goes to the front line. This is where he kills Goliath. And his brother, David, brings them food to feed him. And his brother comes out and says, there you are, David. I know what's in your heart. Who'd you leave those few sheep with? David turns and doesn't even listen to his brother. Starts talking about Goliath and, and the reward. And then he goes to King Saul. And what does he ask King Saul? What does he tell him that qualifies David to fight Goliath? What does he say? He says, Saul goes to David and says, hey, you can't fight this guy. He's been a warrior since his youth. And David goes, no, no, no. Saul, I've been keeping my father's sheep. I mean, cool. <laughs> like this guy's like big, like six foot ten, like warrior from his youth, and you've been keeping his father's sheep. What is that? That's a pattern of David being able to see. No, no, no. I was entrusted with something, and I looked at it as significant. So what is God doing? God now is setting him up for the potential that he wants to do through him. That extraordinary purpose that he has from him was initiated when he took the moment to look at the sheep that he had and said, my father has entrusted me with this. And if God entrusted me with this, then he's certainly trying to develop something in me. He's certainly trying to build something in me. And I'm gonna give this with all of my God, whether it be five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, I'm gonna give it all my heart. God knows where to find me when he needs me. God knows where to find me when he needs me. If I take for granted what little I have right now, I'm gonna look at the Father and say, I knew you to be a hard man. So I buried it. So I didn't do anything with it. So what I see is churches throughout this entire city and nation, they have these giftings that God has given them and they never take time to actually let God do something with it because they deem it as insignificant. But God's saying, no, 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 that table right there is a test. And if you're gonna be faithful with little, you'll be faithful with little. Faithless with little, you'll be faithful with little. Screw that one up. God's saying, hey, look at what you have in your hand. What are you doing? Are you growing in your gift? So I've been keeping my father's sheep. The very thing that Iliab belittled was the very thing that David believed qualified him for the task. Can I tell you that what the world belittles? Why are you part of that church? Why do you do that stuff? Why do you volunteer? Why do you give? Why do you go to group every week? Why do you go to church every week? Is the very thing that God uses to qualify. He says, I found a person who is after my own heart. Saul, he was a head above everyone else. He was like Ali compared to, to Callie right here. So like that, that was like Saul right there, right? 
and everyone was looking at Saul being like, Saul's got to be the dude, man. But here's David. He's a short little David. The Bible says he's small, ruddy. And God says, no, no, don't let the outward fool you. Man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. Would you stand to your feet? What I see is a lot of people belittling things that God's entrusted them with, and God says, that's fine, I'll find someone else. God will pass over you eventually. That's a hard word to take. If God does pass over you, there's another opportunity. It's just going to look different. It's going to look different. God wants to continue to use you. What I see people, they say, I've been waiting on tables. I've been loading in, loading out. I've been running the sound. I've been, I've been serving kids. I've been doing all these things within the house, even outside of the house. I think it's about time that we see that if God has entrusted us with it, then he's entrusted us with it for a reason, which means that it is significant. I tell you that God wants to take you from a place of revelation to see that God wants to do something amazing through you, and then he moves you to a place of action. And many people stop at that place of action. But I want to throw you up. It's one of my life verses. My mom gave it to me when I was a little kid. It was a little baseball glove with a baseball in it. And it said, whatever your hand finds to do, it's Colossians 3.23. We'll throw it up. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for who? The Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving, not anyone else. What is in your hand? Don't deem it as insignificant. Those kids are not a curse. Those kids are a continued blessing that God's going to use to bless this city, to bless this world through. Don't let that come out of your mouth. They're not a hindrance to your calling. They are your calling. Where you're at right now is exactly where God needs you to do what he wants to do through you. It's about time we look at our hand and we say, God, this gifting that you've given me, I give it to you. Whatever wherever, whenever, it's all yours, Lord. Can I pray over you today? Father, God, I thank you for your church. God, I pray that you would bless them. God, that we would be good stewards of everything that you've entrusted us with. That we wouldn't look at it at five talents, two talents, one talent. But Heavenly Father, help us to see that if you've given it to us, Father God, that if you've entrusted us with it, Father God, that we can deem it as significant. And if you've set us apart, God, if you set us aside, I know that there's a time when you're calling us to greater things. So God, help us to be faithful with the little. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.